0: All right, we're speaking to Sarah Northen this morning. She's the Chief of Child Protection at UNICEF. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us on The Light Breakfast.
1: Good morning, and thanks for inviting me to talk about this important topic.
0: Yes, the topic that we will be talking about today is, of course, online safety for kids. Do you have a statistic, Sarah, on how many kids are actually online or using the internet?
1: Um, I don't have the actual number. Maybe uh, Rachel has that number, but I, I think the, the issue in Malaysia is that the because it's such an online society and we know that uh, children's access to mobile devices is very high and that's why this issue of online protection is a big concern and particularly uh, following the MCO when so many children were in fact studying online out of school and and therefore on their devices uh, constantly that uh, there is an increased risk and unicef has been particularly aware not just in malaysia but globally of the increased risk and threat that children have been facing uh, since the COVID pandemic because so many more children are constantly on their devices correct now as
0: parents what is the best way for us to keep our kids safe while online
1: Okay. I'm, I'm glad you raised that. And just, I wanted to highlight that UNICEF has been partnering with uh, the Malaysian government, particularly with LPPKN uh, during the past couple of years uh, to address the issue of parenting. And it's felt that so many child protection issues require closer engagement with parents, making sure that parents are more informed and aware and have the resources they need to better protect their children. And one of the key issues that we worked on with LPPKN was parenting and child online protection in the digital age. And in fact, uh, just about a year ago, it was in June 2019, we had a forum hosted Mm -hmm. by LPPKN, which was specifically on child online protection. And we brought in experts uh, from Malaysia, from Bangkok, and from other parts of the world to talk about this issue. And and basically, the, the main point is that parents just need to have open dialogue and communication with their children. They need to not necessarily prevent their children from being online, but just to be aware and to have that open communication and to let children feel that they can speak to their parents, they can tell them if they do experience any threats, and and in fact, children do experience a lot of threats online. Children do experience strangers approaching them inappropriately online, Mm. and they need to be able to tell their parents about this so that their parents are aware and that their parents can give them the best advice about how to simply cancel, to remove any of those persons from their communication and to make sure that the children know how to protect themselves online? Well, I think I do
0: have that open communication with my nine-year-old, um, but I am actually very relaxed with her internet usage, as in, uh, you know, she has her own phone, She's uh, she has her own laptop, and on weekends, I know she plays a game, you know, a multiplayer game. Um, but I don't sit there and... You know, just look at her, play the game or listen to her while she communicates with her friends. Like, should I be more strict with like sites she visits, games
1: she plays? Should I know all that? Parents need to be more aware. And I think that's the biggest risk is that many parents, and it's partly just because of the generation gap, they did not grow up with devices. They're not familiar with all the sites that children are using. So parents simply need to be more informed about the particular risks that children face and to be able to warn and alert them. And as I said, we do know that... uh, Children face threats not only from strangers, but they're also bullied and intimidated by their own peers online. And so children need to be able to speak to their parents and to express those concerns. Because, as we know, even in Malaysia, children who have been bullied or threatened online... Uh, it's resulted in tragedy. Children have committed suicide. Uh, these types of things do happen online. And so the, it's, like I said, it's not just a threat from a stranger, it's a threat from their peers. And they need to be able to talk to parents or to counselors or people at their school about these threats and to be able to address them, to protect themselves and to stand up for themselves uh, to prevent continuing threat and abuse online.
0: But what if the child does not want to talk to the parents about any of these things?
1: Well, I think that's why uh, we have a kindness campaign that uh, UNICEF is working on with several partners. Uh, it's called the Stand Together campaign. We've been doing it now for a couple of years. It's together with, uh, with Rage, with uh, Childline, and with a number even of private sector partners, including Digi. And it's just about children learning to support each other. To be kind to be aware and to also help other children other peers that they might learn that they're being bullied and to to stand up for those children and to protect them so again it's not only uh, the parents who have a role but uh the peers the friends teachers have an important role and in fact the kindness campaign is engaging a lot with schools and teachers Because it's definitely something that requires engagement and participation from many levels of society. Uh, The parents have a role, but teachers, students, uh, other friends also have critical roles to play to prevent uh, child online uh, protection threats.
0: Now, is there a certain way that children can communicate online to sort of minimize their risk of meeting or even speaking to a predator,
1: I mean, the main thing is not to accept dialogue with strangers online. I mean, I think that we've all learned that people also can present false identities. Yes. Uh, strangers that children meet online, they may present themselves to be younger, and it's also known that uh, strangers who are male uh, lie and present themselves as female because uh, children feel less threatened by females online. And so it's just accepting that the identity that people present online can be false. And so the, the idea is do not share any private information with strangers online. Do not accept those persons as friends, do not let them into your social circle and definitely don't share Uh, any private information. I mean, we attended a global forum uh, in Ethiopia with the delegation from the Ministry of Women in December of 2019 called the We Protect Symposium. And it was really great to see such a strong delegation from Malaysia attend that global forum. And we heard terrible stories about children uh, in different countries in the world, including in UK, and how they'd been exploited by predators online. They'd been deceived about the identity of these strangers. shared private information, including photographs, and really um, exposed themselves to terrible protection threats as a result. So I think through those stories uh, and hearing about, this is a global phenomenon, it's not just in Malaysia, but hearing those stories from young people themselves, those testimonials, it really helped, I think, the Malaysian government delegation who attended that meeting to appreciate the importance of tackling this issue Immediately, And I think UNICEF has really appreciated the, the strong support we've had from the Ministry of Women as well as MCMC uh, and our partnership with LPPKN around parenting about looking at the many ways that we need to tackle this, and including through research. And again, we've, we have a study that's coming out, uh, a publication about the situation in Malaysia, and we're currently in partnership with MCMC doing a survey, uh, on. it's called Disrupting Harm, And it's a survey that interviews Malaysian kids about their experiences online to really get a deeper understanding of how they're experiencing these threats, uh, what they're doing to protect themselves. And this is going to inform the Malaysian government in terms of their own policies uh, about how to strengthen policies to better protect children in Malaysia.
2: Well, Sarah, you, you mentioned that when the delegation went to Ethiopia for that symposium, uh, they, were, they heard about a lot of stories over there about how kids are being exploited. How about in Malaysia? Uh, are there any examples of kids in Malaysia being exploited online? Is, is it kind of rampant here?
1: It is a problem. I would say it's less well documented. There is anecdotal stories that have come into uh, the attention through social media, and it's it been in the press. And as I mentioned, some terrible stories about bullying—you know, children who'd been terribly bullied—and uh, apparently, uh, in recent years, a couple of cases where children died as a result of this terrible bullying. And a lot of this starts online. It starts, and it—and because the volume of bullying, you know, the the Level of bullying is just you know unbelievable online because so many people can suddenly uh, follow and share terrible information, share photographs that humiliate children and bully them. So there are stories uh, in Malaysia, and I think that um, unfor- I recently was I was in the Philippines before I came to Malaysia, and there was I'd, I'd say the stories were worse there. But what I think. Uh, We have felt in Malaysia that we need to do more documenting. There needs to be more research and investigating to have the evidence because we don't have, I'd say, enough hard evidence to document the numbers and the extent of these protection threats that children are facing. And that's why we're supporting this research now in partnership with MCMC and Minister of Women, which we hope will get us more information about where is this happening who are the victims and then to better understand what we can do to better protect children and to educate parents and teachers to be part of that protection process
2: but the issue is also like I because I don't have my own kids right but you don't you want kids to meet new people as well so you you can't protect them from every stranger there could be people who genuinely want to communicate with them you can't protect them from everybody right
1: In general, you don't want your children to be communicating with unknown adults online. Mm. I mean, I think other children of their same age, safer, but definitely you don't really want your children to be communicating with strange adults online. And I think the risk that's coming, and I do have children, they're now 21, but when they were teenagers, they were, yes, in the Philippines, experiencing a lot of very unfortunate things where because kids are putting pictures online they're showing themselves it attracts attention it attracts attention and strange people that you don't want in your children's lives are able to access them and that's just reality that's something that all parents have to face now is that children who have access to devices or on the internet and we know that for their education in school all kids have to be online it's essential they can't you know fulfill their educational requirements without being online and we all know what kinds of sites can pop up so easily without even searching for them and so we we realize that the risks are vast the risks that children face are vast and we know from the the little survey evidence that we have done that all children. Have experienced some level of exposure to strangers, you know, people that are adults that are unknown to them apart from the internet, and they have had communication with them. I think the most important thing is that they understand that it's not okay to share private information with strangers and particularly not to share uh, photographs uh, or anything that can put them to further risk. We know that the exploitation of children online starts when people have photographs and they can manipulate them, they can use them, they can spread them so widely. It's, it's sort of beyond our comprehension to understand the terrible nature of the online Uh, commercial sexual exploitation of children that's going on uh, globally and in this part of the world in particular, there's very high levels of exploitation.
0: I'm just thinking, I mean, it's hard enough to be a parent in this day and age and we still have to worry about this this whole online safety and them not communicating with people whom they don't know. Um, But are there any signs that we can sort of look out for in a, if our kids are being groomed or being bullied online, are there any telltale signs that we can actually see physically?
1: I would say the main thing is children who are secretive or demonstrating signs of anxiety or stress that we need to be aware. I mean, obviously, there's so many you know, other reasons why children might be stressed or anxious because of schoolwork, because of peer pressure, these different things. But I think... It's, it's not easy as a parent to, you know, make sure your kids are sharing and communicating uh, if they're going through something stressful, but I think it's also important to be in touch with the uh, school counsellors, with teachers, making sure that you're attentive, in, and during those uh, sessions with school counsellors and teachers, uh, I've often found you can learn more that uh, school counsellors, teachers may have observed different things, and also to be in touch with The parents of your children's friends, because those parents also have insight, have different information. That's uh, what we found. uh, Typically, is that there may be other stories that are shared with uh, within that community of the friends and the parents uh, of those friends. So it's just it's a job, and I know that for those of us who are working parents, we're busy. Our lives are very busy, and I think that that is where. Ah, uh, things fall through the cracks is that somehow our lives become too busy and we're not able to give the time and attention that it takes. And they say in parenting uh, that if you can just give twenty minutes a day to each one of your children, so if you have more, you know but still, just giving that dedicated twenty minutes of your time per day, that that really opens a window of communication and that will present an opportunity for you to make sure that your kids have that chance to share with you if they are going through stressful experiences and what they're experiencing online. Mm -hmm. But it's also your obligation as a parent to understand more about social media and what's out there and what those potential risks are and particularly i would say the issue of sharing photos and videos and inappropriate material that's it's a big concern yeah
0: is it is it wise to also get to know all the friends that your child has maybe invite Absolutely. them over yeah. to the to the house you know get to know yes. these kinds the 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 this sure. group of friends that they are hanging
1: out with Absolutely. And again, it's. I know it's difficult. Uh, you obviously have a career. And so when you're a, a mother who's who's working or a father who's working, uh, you may not have the time, but it is very, very important to know those friends and hopefully to know the parents as well. And that really gives you greater insight. And I feel that also if you're around the kids when they're in your house and you overhear them talking, you you learn a lot from that. You may hear about Uh, more of what's happening just by spending time with them being in the same room with them with those other kids taking them out uh, for a meal or something and then the conversation may become more relaxed and I think that's you just need to make that time uh, to be involved in your Mm -hmm. children's lives yeah
0: but how do we you know straddle that line of being too overprotective? to sort of letting them experience the world on their own i mean there are two extremes but how do we go the middle lane you know we don't want to be too overprotective but we don't want to just let them be and let them experience the world on their own
1: yes sure we've all had that sense of you know not wanting to be overprotective and and i i think that that's Everyone has to know their own child, and I think it does depend because every child is different. As some children are, I'd say, more able to protect themselves, some are more vulnerable. It's just you know, we're all different human beings with different characters, and so it's the parent who has to understand the individual needs of each child, and certainly. Uh, children who might even have learning disabilities or other kinds of disabilities, they would be more at risk, more vulnerable to be exploited uh, and children who are who lack confidence otherwise and in fact, this is one of the stories we heard when we were in Addis is that you know young adolescents they go through periods where they 're extremely insecure, they lack confidence, and this is when they become more at risk because they might seek the comfort of strangers online who would Tell them uh, stories and make them feel, I'm your friend, I'm your special friend, uh, I see your qualities. And so we have to be aware that those children who are more insecure and lacking confidence and may face other challenges are more at risk. And uh, typically, uh, kids who are more self-confident, that have a better... sense of self-worth are better able to protect themselves so it's up to us just be aware and vigilant uh, on those types of issues
2: so in this day and age though it's not a that, that line it's not a 50 50 kind of thing especially in this day and age where kids are being exploited is it more is it better to be 70 percent overprotective and the 30 percent let them kind of experience the world
1: i mean i, I think it's We have to accept that uh, the internet offers a wealth of opportunities and information. I mean, again, I'll just go from my experience with my children, is that I feel so impressed by all the things that children can learn online that are very positive. They can learn about health they, if they have any kinds of medical issues. They can go online and learn about you know all kinds of different medical conditions. They can self care through reading and informing themselves. They can learn about politics. They can they can do all this self learning online. And so, in a way, you don't want to discourage them from spending time online because it helps them think about the world that they're living in and how they're going to. the best person they can and contribute to the world and and there's a lot of good things online and they also do connect with their friends and they do establish friendships and, and especially in a world where we're all moving around and people leave and so they want to keep in touch with people but i just think at the same time we have to balance that with the reality that there's terrible terrible things going on online and i think particularly younger children are very vulnerable and that's what we learned in the Philippines in particular, that young, very young children were at risk uh, of predators, uh, children who are more naive, who don't really understand what is being done in terms of the use of photographic images. So I think it's it's just being informed. I think for to be the best parent you can, you have to just be informed. Uh, be aware of what's happening, also where you are uh, in your your country, your community, uh, what are the risks that children might face there. Uh, Malaysia is a, is a country of concern. I mean, they say that because uh, countries like the Philippines have been working really, really hard to address uh, child online exploitation and have enacted a lot of more strict measures, that those predators are seeking other places to uh, target children where they feel they... They may be more free. So again, the predators are out there. Child online exploitation is increasing exponentially with as the internet continues its reach across the globe. And uh, it's, it's a terrible reality that children are at risk. And it's our job uh, in partnership with government, policymakers, teachers to take strong action to really reduce that threat and risk. Do you
0: have a story of a case that you've heard about, of you've um, read about, that you
1: can share with us that that Malaysia? particularly
0: sticks in your memory, anywhere in the well, world?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, the the only stories I know here in Malaysia are just about the bullying, and that uh, I heard this from our partnership with Stand Together, our partnership with with Rage, and I believe in Malaysia it was about two three years ago I think it was in 2017 when there was uh, which was the year before I arrived I arrived here in 2018 that there were a couple of cases of uh, bullying of kids and it was an issue of gender identity and that those kids were bullied because of their gender identity and bullied to the point where uh they died you know so it's it's just you know obviously this was a a horrible tragedy and um so as a result of that that's what i said i mean i think the the positive outcome is that people realize that this this problem was so so serious that action had to be taken and that's how the stand together kindness campaign evolved as a result of those uh, tragedies so unfortunately i think that you know what we have to learn lessons sometimes the hard way and so we see these tragedies occurring and again this examples of children killing themselves as a result of bullying has happened in many countries mm. and and so i think it's it's something it's it's happened it's it's a phenomenon that not only has happened in malaysia but in other parts of the world and i and, the, and again the stories there have been cases here in malaysia i've heard of sexual predators who have groomed uh numerous children, and I know there was a case here uh, in Malaysia about that, a, a person who is a, a sexual predator who groomed scores of children over a period of years. Similar stories have arisen in the Philippines as well. And that's, uh, unfortunately, uh, 1% of the population are pedophiles. That's just a reality. It's just a it's, a, it's a very tragic reality. And so pedophiles, if you look at 1% of the population, their main target you know it's, it's getting young children and th- online is the way they're able to access children and so i think it's that's something that we simply we have to work with the police we have to work closely with um interpol with uh, because it's a cross-border issue and we we have to work harder to eradicate the scourge of these online threats uh, from predators, and it's the market is huge. The market is enormous, and that's again, so we're facing the threat of where there's a, a wealthy market, where there's a you know just numbers of persons who are willing to pay money for this. Uh, it's it's a big battle, and children need to be aware that it's not um, it's not something they can take lightly. They can't share information uh, easily. They can be exploited. A scary
0: world out there, not only for an adult yeah. but for a child yeah. as well. Yeah, now, now, um, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about um, our lives online? It there's a project that UNICEF is doing.
1: Yes, okay. Uh, our lives online it started, uh, it's a regional project. Our regional office in Bangkok asked countries if they were interested in. Uh, being involved in research. And so we had a couple of expert researchers, one based in California, one from South Africa. And they came and interviewed children in several countries in uh, Southeast Asia, including Malaysia. And they worked together with UNICEF and with our partner, the NGO Childline. And through that uh, interviewing children, uh, they were able to, to put together this Publication, which is a regional document, including a case study on Malaysia. And in that publication, uh, they talked about those experiences that children had um, online. And basically, uh, what they found is that uh, children in East Asia have adopted different strategies to protect themselves basically boys and girls are both experiencing exploitation really in relatively uh, equal numbers Uh, issues such as being sent and asked for explicit pictures uh, as i've mentioned the whole issue two out of five uh, children in the focus groups had what they called bad experiences online so that's you know more than half the kids Uh, and also kids are meeting people online first and then meeting them in person so again so noting that those online encounters can lead to -to face-to-face encounters and that of course increases risk uh in most of the time when they met those people it was in the hope in the hopes of having a romantic encounter so uh kids online are actually seeking you know romantic personal relations which i guess adults are doing the same so that's starting at an early age
2: yeah they're kids, though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they are kids, but kids are dating. You know, kids have romantic relationships. You know, children who are under 18 are seeking romantic encounters, and they're doing it online. And in most cases, uh, they didn't report this, and so meaning it's something that they keep secret. So even though we as parents like to believe that we know what they're doing, uh, kids have a lot of secrets, and a lot of these secrets start, Online. Um, So, what are we? And then, some of the recommendations from the report suggest that there needs to be more in terms of parenting support interventions, and that's what I was talking about earlier. And our partnership with LPPKN, and it's just parents, and especially, I think, uh, working parents, parents from low-income families, very busy parents. They don't have the time, but more needs to be done to make parents aware of the risks. And so again, it needs to, but it needs to be based more in evidence-based programming. So the type of parenting programs need to be based on the facts, the reality in Malaysia. And we also need to help our kids to be more resilient. So we need to help kids to protect themselves. Now, as I said, it's often children who lack confidence and they're the at the greatest risk. So we need to make sure that children are more resilient and they're equipped with the skills to protect themselves when they're online in terms of communication skills, conflict resolution skills, and we need to help them to make the right choices in the way they use social media. And also that teachers and and other adults who are working with kids need to give the right messages about how to use uh, social media. So we need to make sure that we're saying the right things to kids to, to give them the support we need. And it's not just don't go and use social media. You're banned from any media, yeah. you know, which will just make them... It's like when I was growing up, it was sort of TV. No one can watch TV. And then if no one could watch TV, then they would go to their friend's house and watch TV anyway. But it was just... So we can't really honestly prevent them from accessing social media that that's it's not possible in this day and age and then we also need to work with the technology companies we need to work with private sector and with technology companies to make sure that they do whatever they can to reduce the risk that children face and that we know that um okay obviously private sector they're for profit and so they're concerned about you know doing things that might diminish their profits but i think it needs to be understood that it's in their best interests to protect children from exploitation and abuse online and i think we have been successful in malaysia in terms of working with private sector and that we've had some seminars and forums with private sector and i think that there is an understanding and acceptance that you know, private sector has to be a partner in stopping this online exploitation and abuse of children. Now,
0: uh, Sarah, lastly, how can Malaysians who are parents, non-parents, individuals support our lives online?
1: I think it's through be, whatever your role is, and again, as I said whether you're a parent or not, it, you have some possibility of interacting with children and so the way that you interact with children the way that you communicate that you ensure that you're promoting a respectful communication online and that you yourself are not uh, using social media inappropriately and again all of us even as adults we are using social media every day use it appropriately use it in a way that is promoting positive communication, good communication. You're not sharing negative uh, images yourself. You're not using the media as a platform for uh, exploitation and abuse or harm to others. So it's just, we have to provide an example to our kids Uh, that uh, media is a positive thing it can be a a force for good a force for change so use it yourself positively and demonstrate that so that kids can see that uh, positive uh, method of using uh, media